Mini-episode 1329 is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1329. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. And uh, I have joining me here today one of our FDH Lounge dignitaries and one of my oldest friends going way, way back. Uh, We've had this gentleman on previously for a number of different things. You've heard him on a number of Pantheon roundtables and things Pantheon adjacent, like our last two anniversary show roundtables that we've done. Uh, Also, uh, Fantasy Golf, Fantasy Tennis, when we've explored this previously on the show with the, uh, the niche sports uh, we've never done a segment with him just around football, which is way overdue because uh, he's one of the biggest football guys I know. Uh, I have been playing uh, fantasy football with this guy uh, be- beyond probably the lifetime of many of our listeners out there. So uh, one of my uh, very good friends, we've been competing against one another with very colorful team names over the years. There will be many colorful team names to come in, in the years to come, but uh, today he's here to help me break down Super Bowl 55. All of that could only sum up my close personal friend, John Adams. <laughs> Johnny, welcome to the show, my man. Rick, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for the opportunity. And uh, always enjoy doing battle, my friend. Yes. No matter what it is, uh, fantasy, baseball, uh, football, that matter, uh, the tennis, always a pleasure. So. Oh, yeah. It's good to have you. And I'm, I'm sure we'll... Uh, I'm sure we'll break into the the patented smarm that is a part of our dynamic here at various points along the way, which, you know, we might as well just get this out of the way uh, at at the start here, going into this thing here. So each of us, whether it be because of fantasy football, or in my case, with Tom Brady just flat out chowed hating, uh, I didn't want to see Tom Brady get over, you didn't want to see Andy Reid get over, one of us was guaranteed to come out of this thing sad. I really didn't think it'd be me. Man, I was off on this game. But, uh, Johnny, congratulations. Uh, You were the one, at at least from the point of view of personal spite, who ends up getting over in our little battle here. (laughs) Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, Did not see this outcome, though. Was kind of pulling for Tom, um, but did not see this outcome at all. So, uh, kind of caught me off guard. There's, yeah. there's so much to get into with that. There really is. And this is a thing where, and I had said to you off air previously that there are games out there I've always held up as the ultimate sort of one in 100 game. That if you played it a hundred times, it'd go that way exactly once. I'd always thought of the Seahawks Broncos Super Bowl as being that way. And then I think we saw it again, as much as we might not want to admit it, with that Brown Steelers playoff game. I think to, to imagine the Browns going in and winning is not out of the question to be sure but the way that it went 28 nothing in the first quarter you get that maybe one out of 100 times this is one here where you're tempted to say this might have been a one in 100 outcome stylistically the way that it went but based on this crappy offensive line 
uh, that was the case there. As Tampa Bay, for the second game in a row, manages to avoid playing the franchise left tackle of their opponent after it happened to Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. For those that don't think Tom Brady's lucky, just take a look at those little factoids there. You know, I'm not going to say one time out of 100, but something this... Uh, this much of a beatdown, maybe five times out of a hundred. I mean, how how would you see it as far as this went? I mean, we we know that this outcome was an anomaly, but probably not the pure anomaly of the other two examples. But pr- neither would it be something where fifty times out of a hundred it would have been this bad. Correct. I just didn't see this outcome. I actually picked uh, the the Bucks just because uh, they were trending. I had them thirty one twenty seven winning. Mm-hmm. Did not see. Uh, did not see a blowout, and frankly, if any, I don't think anybody saw. If you, if I'll tell you, the one in a hundred would be the Kansas City Chiefs not scoring a touchdown. That was, yeah. Uh, by all means, that was a shocker. Um, yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, look, I, I think it was a confluence of several things happening, mm-hmm. unfortunately, for the Chiefs. But to your point with the left tackle, I saw, you know, I saw Tampa Bay. I figured they'd get over on Washington. They started to look good against uh, uh, the Saints. I thought the Saints were kind of on their last leg with Breeze here. Well, a couple, they, couple gift they, interceptions, Johnny. A couple of gifts from Drew Breeze that put him into the next round. A little lucky again. I agree. I agree. Um, but when they kind of got over on uh, uh, Green Bay, I kind of saw them playing some of their best football at the right time. Now, uh, and speaking of uh, poor performances, I, I would have probably had a conversation with Mike Pettin at halftime and had someone else running the defense in the second half, unfortunately. But anyway, um, yeah, did not see this outcome in this game. Um, again, can't believe that the Kansas City Chiefs didn't score a touchdown. Would have never saw that coming. You're right. That's the one out of 100. I will say, too, as far as the NFC Championship game goes, I really think that the horse was out of the barn door by halftime because if you look at the second half, and again, Green Bay, they should have gone for the touchdown, obviously. Even on fourth and nine, it wasn't looking good there. But the same thing with the Browns previously against Kansas City. Ironically, I think it was fourth and nine. I would have gone for it at that point because to punt was to surrender. Just like in that situation, to go for the field goal was to surrender. But aside from that, Johnny... Green Bay just ran out of time. That's what it was. If that game goes 65 minutes, 70 minutes, the trajectory of that second half, Tampa Bay was hanging on by their teeth, and they managed to. The damage had already been done in the first half, and there had been enough damage that Green Bay couldn't claw all the way back. But it's a thing where they really made, they did make some adjustments, and they did kind of get in there, and I thought showed a little bit of a blueprint as far as how to handle Tampa Bay. One that Steve Spagnuolo, who I respect greatly and who has always had success against Tom Brady, obviously did not take advantage of. I would agree with that. Uh, uh, I think I think they did. Uh, um, that, that game that game goes. Uh, you know, the NFC title game goes goes any longer. You're right. Uh, but that first half, you're right, got out of hand for him. I think Brady might have been six for six on third down, yeah. including that last, uh, including that that what a thirty-five yard touchdown. Yeah. Uh, to kind of end the first half, um, but yeah, you got they they have to be aggressive. I mean, fourth down, they should have known that they had that hole to climb out of. You got to be aggressive. Fourth and nine, you got to go for it. And then, and then uh, also in the Browns Kansas City game, I did believe when they got the ball back with the five minutes, uh, I think it was five seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was their last best chance. Yeah, to score. And I I was uh, fourth and nine was tough. Getting to 
nine, I, I actually could see punting at that point. I would have never been, you can't get to fourth and nine. They, they, you, you know, I believe first down of that drive, uh, was a loss, uh, run, uh, by Nick Chubb for a one yard loss. Right. Then you've got like an incompletion, um, getting to fourth and nine, you've got to get to fourth and five or less. Yes. And I, I agree there. Um, but fourth and nine, it was tough because if they with, with 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 Kansas City knocking on the door, if they would have uh, uh, you know been stopped there, it would have been game over. But I still I still think uh, you definitely could make the argument for going for it. I, I don't know if I would have, but well, yeah, and and in both instances, the teams ended up paying for not doing so. And this is a circumstance where on the Super Bowl preview. Uh, that we did with uh, good friend Vernon Turner. I got to give him all the credit in the world, and we were going to possibly effort to try and get him back after the Super Bowl to uh, talk about this, and unfortunately it didn't work out. I would have liked to have put him over uh, personally. Uh, hopefully he's catching this after the fact where I am. He mentioned Todd Bowles as somebody that could be an impact person in this Super Bowl, and that what he was going to have dialed up for Kansas City, he really had a feeling was going to be something impactful. And again, most times in football, the way it works, if you can make the four-man rush work to where you're not having to blitz to get that kind of pressure on the quarterback, you are going to have a lot of effectiveness. I actually noted in the Super Bowl preview, the same one where I said that I thought that uh, Kansas City was going to win 34-27. So I, I said, look, there's a possibility that they can make Kansas City pay the way Green Bay did. I did not, in my own defense, know that Green Bay was going to be doing a shuffle where they were going to have like three guys out of position, I think. Like they moved somebody else into Fisher's spot, and then it became whack-a-mole as far as where they were putting bodies. I would have just put somebody in there at left tackle and taken the L, you know, if that guy had just, you know, been getting beaten a lot. Maybe you put in an extra tight end for blocking purposes. Granted, you got to change up your playbook to do that. But, you know, have one spot be a weakness if a weakness cannot be avoided. Don't let it be three spots. And it was at least three spots there. And ironically, and I've said this off here, I think for Mahomes, it, when, he, when he goes to the Hall of Fame, when he retires, when he's done, this game may actually be on his highlight reel. They will show some of the ones like how close he came to making a miracle completion in a couple of those instances. And the one time, I think Tyreek Hill should have had it. It bounced off his helmet. I mean, if ever anybody looked heroic in defeat, it was Patrick Mahomes. Because, yes, they didn't score any touchdowns for, I believe, the first time in his tenure. It's the worst that's ever looked in the three years with him at the helm. But, man, oh, man, oh, man, for somebody running for his life and refusing to quit, and almost against all odds, completing a couple of those ones. I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like that. Uh, boy, a lot to chew there, and I, 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 I'm going to echo some of those sentiments. And first and foremost, I do believe uh, Todd Bowles deserves a lot of credit, and yes. props to, to uh, Mr. Vernon for nailing that one. Yep. Um, because, and I hope, I hope, uh, and I know there was a confluence of things going on for the Chiefs, but I hope it does not detract from the Todd Bowles game plan because I think he deserves a lot of credit. Now, uh, in terms of the offensive line, I'm with you, and we've had this conversation off air where I would think instead of shuffling three positions, guys out of position, I think you're better off going with the understudy that has experience specifically at that position and then supplement with chipping, yep. getting some extra blocking, I think they would have made it way more successful. Yep. And again, you know, I think there was a, um, I do, you know, there was a confluence of things going on for the Chiefs, uh, the offensive line issue. I just think guys didn't, 
there were some guys at key positions that didn't play really good games. Um, there may have been some distractions with some of the family stuff going on. Yeah. But um, two things. One, I, I people needed to, I, and I hope Tampa, Tampa looked uh, faster. They looked uh, like they wanted it more. Uh, they had the Todd Bowles dialing that up. Um, so, you know, I, I hope people don't detract, detract from really the, the good game that, that Tampa played. And that being said, I'm, I'm with you with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I don't know how he was drawing criticism. He was drawing some criticism for this game for the way he played. He doesn't play that game. I'm not sure they score at all. Right, right. I mean, and for him to even break free to get throws off, I mean, that says it all for his, um, in, in terms of career, his want to win, his want to play and do it for teammates. And the way he was just, I mean, the, the, the one diving, the guy's diving to his right and still can get it 30 yards down the field. Yeah. I mean, so crazy. That's an excellent point. And I'll tell you what, too, I mean, 52.3% completions, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's a low, low, low basement for him if ever there was one, and yet, you look at the circumstances, 26 of 49, 270, with no line to speak of, probably the, the least amount of support I've ever seen a quarterback get in a big game, that in and of itself basically is a miracle. I, I always like to look at the stat sheet here and see if there's anything that jumps out at me, and there wasn't anything, by and large, that was super surprising uh, as far as the two different teams went. I will tell you, I teased this off air, there's a player who... Uh, had a stat line that is far more respectable than what his effort was on the night. And it's unbelievable that there was only three incompletions to this guy because it seemed like there was a lot more. Seven of ten completed passes, 73 yards to Tyreek Hill. Now, that's not a great stat line for him. Seven for 73, it's way below his yards per catch. But Tyreek Hill basically played like ass. I'm sorry. That is about as bad as he's ever going to look in a big game. 7 for 73. Johnny, I say lies, damn lies, and statistics. Uh, he was a non-factor. Yep. I mean, he was a non-factor. Yep. And after hearing uh, some of the post-game comments from Mahomes, where they took away deep and they took away the sides of the field. Yeah. I mean, that's where he kind of lives, in yes. a way. And they did a really remarkable job of keeping uh, Tyreek Hill, the, the, the Tampa defense, keeping him in front of them and making plays. He did not... Um, I mean, he probably got a few yards after the catch, right? That's where he got his 73 yes. from, mostly, obviously. One but, was a 23-yarder. Um, one was that. So the okay. other one, the other ones were basically what? So that's uh, my rudimentary grasp of math tells me he was 6 for 50 aside from that, not even 10. Very pedestrian. Yes. I mean, six. that's very pedestrian. For a guy that uh, potentially, and I think it was their earlier matchup, didn't he go over 200? I believe so, yeah. Early in the season, yeah, yeah. Well... They were they were clearly motivated Tampa's defense and they clearly had a good game plan and uh, I like the I like the makeup of their defense they're strong up front they've got some speed at the back end yep and then they've got some playmakers at linebacker I think it's a it, that's a, a really steady blueprint. It really is. I mean, it's a strong defense. They proved it. I mean, it's not on the level of their 0-2 champions, but few defenses are. It's a very, very excellent defense when you're looking at the all-time Super Bowl winners, to be sure. And in looking at this, an excellent effort by a number of other players here. Of course, we know Travis Kelsey, 10 for 133. He was the one guy that they really couldn't stop. 
with uh, Tampa Bay. He had a lot, a lot of big moments there. And uh, I will say, too, that uh, whether it be for uh, fantasy disappointment purposes or whatever, there's just certain guys that you might love to hate, I might love to hate. Uh, this is a thing <laughs> where I told you after the game you'd be surprised to know the stat uh, thing here. And I don't feel like this is lies, damn lies, in statistics because I was impressed in real time watching him. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 9 carries, 64 yards. Part of it was I think Tampa Bay was a little bit more willing to give up the run strategically, so there was that. But the guy made some plays. He was one of the few guys that was impactful, I felt like, for Kansas City. I thought he had a good season, too. Yeah. I mean, I th- he started off strong. Yeah. Um, I think they were kind of trying to experiment with the Le'Veon Bell thing. I think that's clear that that, that is not going to be a way forward. Yeah. Uh, but I would say, yeah, he gave he, he, had a, he had a good game. I do... I, I would agree with the suggestion that uh, he they kind of gave up some yards to kind of they clearly were, were, were guarding against the big plays. Yes, and they were allowing the middle of the field, which yes. honestly, and I still think he played a great game. But it, it, it probably was why Kelsey maybe drew a few more yards than sure possibly normal because they were giving those plays up to avoid the big play. But yeah, I thought he had a he, he had a good game. He had well, a good game. And when you think about rookies that usually, you know, coming out of college that might drop off after 10, 12 games because they're not used to the length of the season, uh, he, he, he played pretty well. Well, yeah, and that's so. where, I mean, Kelsey, for a man of his size, speed, and hands, that triumphant that is so rare in this league. You know, I go back to the Browns-Chiefs uh, playoff game, and uh, my old friend, uh, so this will be a shout-out uh, if he's uh, listening, my old friend from the Sports Talk Network, Don Peterson, he was commenting on, on Facebook, and I guess he was just venting, like, why don't we have anybody on Kelsey? And, and I replied, I said, Don, who do we have that we're going to put on Kelsey? And he was just like, I know, I know. So it's hard to know with Kansas City, you know, how much of that was, if anything, was being granted to him by the way that Tampa Bay was playing or, or whether or not they actually had anybody that could have limited him more. And the truth is probably somewhere in between. As far as it goes uh, with uh, receivers running around and everything, I will tell you this, that uh, upon hearing the news the other day uh, that uh, the NBA had issued a warning, I believe, to Kyle Kuzma and LeBron James about flopping, I'm thinking to myself, well, some of these sports leagues run differently than other sports leagues because uh, if ever you were going to be calling that, it would have been in the Super Bowl. And uh, nevertheless, the yellow flags, they were a flying, and a good bitterman like myself is going <laughs> to credit that for so many of the Tampa Bay drives in the first half here. Uh, again, I, I, I thought it was even worse than the Steelers-Seahawks Super Bowl, which had been my oh, previous. Wow. Yes, okay. yes. I'll, I'll say that worse than Super Bowl XL, in my estimation, 15 years later. So that was how I saw it. But, Johnny, I realize that's one of those your mileage may vary type takes. Yeah, I think you're a little bit of a revisionism there. I, I have to stay with I have to stay with the Seattle Pittsburgh the worst called Super Bowl. Okay, um, I could see where a few of these calls maybe, but Breland had a Breland struggled with interference calls most of the season. Yes, um, you know I, I contend that you know Matthew a great player but draws a lot of attention. Yeah, and 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 at times it catches up to him. So uh, you know ultimately. You know, you hate to see a, a game uh, decided by flags. I don't know. I, I I'm watching them. Some of the, the the one call of the end zone on Matthew could have been a little ticky tacky. I thought the other ones were legitimate. Didn't the ball hit the upright or something? Come on. 
<laughs> but no, um, yeah, uh, you, you never want to see the game. The worst call ever was certainly the, the non-call in the in the Rams uh, uh, in the title uh, NFC title game several yes. years ago in the Rams uh, Saints. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I know the people are thinking, well, there's another occasion where Tom Brady gets over, but I don't know. I don't know. I thought I thought the game was called pretty well, but. Of course, you know, I kind of like Tom, so maybe I'm a little biased. (laughs) Well, two things from a not exactly on the field uh, thing here to uh, to bring to your attention here as we're bringing it around. Uh, The first would be, you mentioned the Rams, and of course that Super Bowl that they had against the Patriots subsequently. Uh, Two marks a trend in my estimation. It is not too early to pronounce the CBS jinx. The last two Super Bowls they've had have been rancid and unwatchable. The Rams-Patriots game, which stands as the singular example of all time that a game can be close and still boring as hell, because that game was pretty close going into the fourth quarter, and it sucked. I remember how hard we were all trying to stay awake at the Super Bowl party that year, which, uh, again, shout out to our good friend uh, Bob Benick, who uh, in most years going back to the 90s, would be hosting us at his parties over at his place, but uh, you and I did not get to hang over there this year. A wise decision made by the Bennett household because of the pandemic. So shout out to our good friend and and, and our competitor in the FDH uh, Experts Golf League that we have going this year. But uh, that that Super Bowl, yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is with CBS, but uh, you know they were so happy about signing up Tony Romo to be their color commentator, and they are 0 for 2 on watchable Super Bowl since he got there. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think we all expected certainly certainly that game was. I, I felt we were robbed of a great Super Bowl because I I assumed it would be uh, Brady versus Breeze, yep. and I thought that would have been a great Super Bowl. And I think I think the game plan would have changed. I think it would have been a shootout and a lot of fun. I think so. But they are over. They are over too. Because this game, unfortunately, it just took a turn. And I I will say this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody that was watching thought, when's the comeback coming? When is the yes. comeback coming? Yes. I certainly thought it's going to be coming. And it just never, never surfaced. Well, and that's an excellent point. It leads me into my final point here, which is where, uh, as much as I put over Vernon for his uh, very prescient call about Todd Bowles being a hero in this Super Bowl, he and I both biffed it on this one, and I still don't completely understand why. On the talk of the ratings going in, we both thought this was going to be a very highly rated Super Bowl. For all the factors everybody was pointing to, I know that sports numbers have been down during the pandemic, and uh, fellow off the H lounge dignitary Ben Chu seems to think that the exponential growth of streaming and that people just now, like, it doesn't even matter if there's competition on TV, that people are so used to streaming that they may just go look for something else there. That must be it because, again, it was a bad game. And I know a lot of the casuals who just, it, it's so, it's, it's funny. The less you knew about football, the more, you know, not to be bitter, but the more you thought Tom Brady was going to win this game because doesn't Tom Brady always win the Super Bowls? Actually, no, he's lost three of them. Hate to tell you casuals, but he doesn't win every time he's in a Super Bowl. But so the casuals, when Tampa Bay pulled away, were probably like, okay, that's what I thought. You know, so there's probably a decent amount of this to where, you know, the, the game was bad and they paid a price on it. But there's a thing also, too, where even if it had been a close, competitive Super Bowl, Johnny, that number wouldn't have been nearly what I thought it would have been. And I can't understand why. You had less Super Bowl parties. It should have been more individual TVs on. A bad Super Bowl doesn't fully explain the numbers, so I just don't get it. 
Yeah, once again, a confluence of different things, I believe. I think your casual fans may have tuned out. I think the people that look for, uh, watch the Super Bowl specifically for the commercials. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of those commercials are now, um, you can catch them in other places. Yes. Either concurrently or you could, you know, uh, catch them ahead of time. Uh, I think the, uh, I think, yeah, I would have thought with less parties, more people would have tuned in. Yes. But I think it's really a social, I, I think it, it's telling, I think it's a really social uh, gathering, kind of summed obviously the end of the football season. Uh, so maybe that. I, I, I hate to think, although I think there's an undercurrent of this too, I know we're finding a lot of um, cross-programming in mm -hmm. terms of advertising when, when some of these events come up. Uh, I think, uh, you know, there certainly is uh, the presence of, I don't want to say politicizing, but there's definitely, uh, yeah. uh, um, you know, you've got the uh, thoughts about uh, things going on with the anthem and, yep. uh, you know, certainly events in our country, uh, current events are affecting some of the out, uh, some of the some of the uh, ways people are handling the anthem and those things. Yep. So there, there's, so that could be keeping people away. But I don't think, I think it was, once again, I would attribute it to a kind of a confluence of things. Uh, it's a very social gathering and people just are not gathering. So especially if your team, I, I would like to see the numbers, obviously, uh, for the, for the, the cities that, that uh, were, uh, had teams in it. I'm sure, I'm sure the numbers were up, but for the casual fans, maybe that's why. You know, well, yeah, I mean, the fact that it was yeah. around 96 million, it didn't even crack 100. I, I'm just really, really struggling to understand that because a bad game only explains so much. If it's 96 million, that means you had a whole bunch of people that I thought were going to want to watch the game that never even tuned in in the first place, notwithstanding it being Brady and Mahomes and everything else like that. So uh, of all the things that I didn't see, that was one of them. And I guess an, another factor as well, if I'm talking about the outcome, is I really did underestimate the whole thing of Tampa Bay sleeping in their own beds the whole time versus Kansas City flying in the day before the game. Like you said, the thing with uh, one of Andy Reid's sons who probably already yeah. should have been in jail based on his previous conduct, but uh, unfortunately harming these uh, innocent young kids here. And uh, the last I heard, it wasn't a good medical outlook for uh, at least one of them. So that's that's a horrible shame and a tragedy. And it is the kind of thing that's going to be a little bit of a hangover on a team as well. It might sound like it's, you know, uh, trivializing to talk about the outcome, the effect on a game, but these, these things happen. One does affect the other. And uh, Kansas City probably was, you know, not completely there because, you know, the players were upset about what had happened. And there's just any number of factors that made this thing so much less than we thought it was going to be all the way around. But uh, the one thing that is always uh, every bit uh, as, as much as I'm expecting every time around, Johnny, is whenever you and I get together to record anything. So the chance to do so for Super Bowl 55, we hadn't done anything like this before. I knew I wanted to rectify this and uh, get you into the rotation for stuff like this. Really, really appreciate it, my man. Thanks so much for making time. Thanks so much, and uh, always enjoy catching up, Rick. So uh, we'll uh, do it again soon. Appreciate Take it, my care. friend. All right, uh, thank you, uh, Johnny. The great John Adams, my good friend, longtime FDH Lounge dignitary. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1329.